0: Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Shai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. Shalom and welcome to a very special show, which is our 2 B'Av show, our 15th of Av, Chamekshah B'Av program, which is Jewish holiday of love and reunification. Malka Fleischer, speaking of, shalom and welcome. Hello there. Uh, 15th of Av is our anniversary day. That's right. That's right. Pretty nice. Really nice. Really nice. And yesterday, Malka, uh, we decided to not just um, you know mark the day with a I don't know a cake or or just some. Uh, I like blo- cake. I like cake a lot as well. But instead, we actually did something else, which is we went out to the streets of Jerusalem. We went out to Yerushalayim, Mirakot, the holy city, uh, for a day off for a, for a date, shall yeah. we say? Right. It was nice. You know, we were, we were out from, from like 10 to 4.30, uh, just walking the streets. We went to a retrospective, an exhibition of a famous artist. We went to the Shook. We went to a bookstore. We walked all around. We saw a lot of stuff. And Manka, we did uh, uh, a little favor for our listeners and for ourselves, is that we recorded parts of it. And so we, we walked on the streets and did a little bit of sound. And I wanted to share that with the good folks. So Manka, uh, first thing, Mazaltov. Yes, Mazaltov to you. You remember that day?
1: That we got married. That's right. No. What? Yes. <laughs> Ow. Of course, I remember that day. Happiest day in my life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a beginning of a long adventure, Monica. yeah. Beginning of a long adventure. That day we got married in beautiful Chevron at the tomb of the patriarchs, the matriarchs, uh, 21 years ago. Wow, amazing. What a schud! And in fact, uh, even a video of our of our uh, wedding recently surfaced, and that's really special. And <laughs>
1: that's like it recently surfaced like recently... what does that even mean like
0: there was there were a lot what of what are
1: we mafiosos like a wedding video recently
0: surfaced <laughs> no no not at all uh, it was it was just that we had all kinds of folks at the wedding and ironically our wedding our, our actual wedding video that we paid for disappeared
1: we well this was in good old VHS times right. which sounds crazy to me as i say this but the person who we entrusted to watch our VHS May or may not have taped over with like <laughs> Harry Potter or something.
0: That's right, and then and then years later, a video uh, of our wedding surfaced uh, from a guy uh, living here in Gush Etzion. and he was at the wedding, and he and he and he was a budding videographer. Today, he's a very famous videographer, and he uh, just found all this footage and put together an amazing movie for us. So Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, uh, Malka, let's share a little bit of the joy of reunification. And what I mean by reunification is that one of the things that happened on historic Tubav is that Hosea ben Ela uh, in the Bible uh, allowed the Jewish people that were from the tribes of Israel when the kingdom was split to come back to Jerusalem because Yerevan ben Avat, Jeroboam, he blocked the people's way to come to Jerusalem because he didn't want them to worship God in Jerusalem, didn't want them to... Believe in the centrality. He had politicized God. He po- <laughs> oh, politicizing God. That's like the best name for a book ever. Okay, that's like a book. Bu- and I mean, I we and and you'll hear in the audio in just a second that we found tons of a crazy. Uh, titles like why God why and other titles that we saw in the bookstore at the Pomerantz bookstore but I like On that our Poli- day politicizing yeah. God I like that a lot that's a great name for the show maybe I don't know if it has to do with our show today but that's a great name for the show in any case um, uh, so so Jews were stopped were stopped from coming to Jerusalem serving God in Jerusalem recognizing the centrality of Jerusalem, and also recognize, not recognizing, blocking the recognition of the Davidic kingdom, which is what it was really all about. So today is really, the Tubav is really also a day to re-recognize the Davidic kingdom, and that's something that's been become more and more interesting to me of late. In any case, uh, Malka, I'm proud of uh, this next part, which is uh, a few segments of uh, Isha and Malka walking in the streets of Jerusalem celebrating Tubav, uh, the holiday of Jewish reunification and love.
1: Come on with us.
0: All right, folks, you are listening to the Ishai Fleischer Show, and we are broadcasting from the streets of Jerusalem. Today is mine and Malka Fleischer's. Hello, Malka. Hello. It is our anniversary day. That's right. It is our anniversary. It's Tubav, Jewish reunification and love day. Happy anniversary. Thank you, Malka. God bless you. Staying married.
1: 21 beautiful years That's with right. you.
0: I can't believe it. I'm very, very lucky. And you're maybe less so. No, I don't know. <laughs> but it's a, it's a definitely a, a big blessing to be married f- to you for 21 years and living our Jewish life. And today, uh, we are on a day off. We're in the streets of Jerusalem. And the reason that we're speaking a little bit in hushed tones is because we're actually already in uh, Beit Avichai. It's not a museum, but it has exhibitions, and we're right now in an exhibition of the great Russian Jewish artist Anatoly Tanhum Kaplan, and uh, his renditions. Right now, we're on the floor seeing all of his renditions of Shalom Aleichem. So it's of suddenly we like, uh, without knowing it, we walked into Jerusalem into this ultra modern building, but we went right back into the shtetl. The shtetl of uh, of Rogotrov and the, uh, and other towns, and really the stories of Shalom Aleichem, and it says here uh, in a country that repressed Jewish tradition, Jewish life and tradition, the Soviet Union permitted one main Jewish writer Shalom Aleichem and one Jewish artist Anatoly Kaplan. He died in 1980
1: in Kaplan. Say it the say it the authentic way.
0: Kaplan. That's right, and he uh, died in Leningrad in 1980. My grandfather knew him and collected his art. So we have some of this art at home ourselves. Uh, but Beit Avichai did a great job at this retrospective, uh, at this exhibition. And here we are starting our day together, Malka. So what do you say?
1: It's very beautiful. We just, we've just walked in. And we're already listening to the little uh, cell phone tour. And uh, Isha, I see you're getting a little bit emotional. What's that about?
0: Well, <clears throat> I, think that, I think that the shtetl pictures are very strong. And this is, as you pointed out to me before, this is a world that kind of disappeared. That's one. And two is that there's like a personal relationship with this art, um,
1: like a family, a family connection.
0: Right. This is like my, my, you know, my grandfather was into this guy, and he was, you know, curating some of his art. Not curating is not the right word, but collecting some of his art. And I know some of these paintings from my mother's house. You see that one over there mm-hmm. with the candlesticks, and of course the Shalom Alechem tales. This is like. Basically we just walked into Fiddler on the Roof like But in Jerusalem. Right, but like the the like real Russian interpretation of Fiddler on the Roof. Like so it's like it's very, right. very
1: speaking all up and down your DNA right now.
0: <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And it's our anniversary, so it's like and we we always you and I always talk about Hungarian Jewry which you're from and Russian Jewry and Polish Jewry where I'm from and and we're always talking about, you know, the, the funny differences and and characteristic traits um and and this art is very much uh, a it brings out characteristic traits you could see you know i just saw one picture which i loved over here malka uh which is uh, this uh just this rebbe teaching a, a student it's, it's just uh yeah it looks
1: like a simple sketch like if you just walk past it really quick it looks like a simple sketch but it's a very it's full of emotion actually
0: that's right, that's right And it's got this lamp, it's got a chicken on the bottom And it's just like a rabbi learning with a, with a book with a, with, a, with a son or a student Powerful stuff, powerful stuff Okay, Malka, we keep going uh, in, the, uh, in the exhibition here at Beit Avichai And happy anniversary, we keep going today And we'll keep recording along yes, the way
1: Yes, let's see what we see
0: Oh, we forgot to mention that on the way we already got a serious uh, bit of uh, caffeine Chocolate mint milkshake Right, with coffee, I think, with, right? I think it must have had some coffee in there, yeah. That's right. And it was it was from the famous green... Uh, Bakery restaurant? M- coffee store. And so we just had some of that. So we are ready to go. We're caffeinated. We're Jewish. We're in Jerusalem looking at the shtetl on our anniversary. Powerful stuff. And you're with us, so thanks so much. Let's see. Let's go see some more. All right, folks. Ishai Fleischer here. I'm walking in the streets with my beloved Malka Fleischer. Malka Yerushalayim, Yerikodesh on two... Uh, the 5th uh, you know the L'Bav Shereb used to say Aaron told me that uh, the L'Bav Shereb used to say uh, mm-hmm. he, for some reason he would say 15th of Av he would work it out Malka we just walked past a, a whole scene that they have here in Jerusalem in the horse park of, um, of people who received lung transplants and other transplants and then a picture of the doctor who did this work at Balancing Hospital. It's pretty impressive and they look like all great normal people with double lung transplants etc. It was amazing.
1: Yeah I never saw an art installation like this. You know we just came from the Kaplan exhibit and then we stopped in an art uh, store and then, I, we're not so arty by the way, I just uh, you guys have been following us for a long time. How much do we talk about art? Not that much. But then we walked through the park here on our way to some Mao's falafel, God Willing, and we saw this like, art installation of like people looking not so happy, standing, sitting, and then, and then next to like items of theirs that are of value or, or things that they do, like certain emblems for themselves. And we're like, what is this unusual art?" And then we, we got closer and we saw these are all lung transplant survivors people who had a lung transplant six years ago, 18 years ago, and people who survived thanks to the modern miracle of science and balance and hospital.
0: Very cool. We are right now in the heart of town. We're actually next to the city tower. We're next to the famous Ben Yehuda Street. We haven't walked in Ben Yehuda in years, Manka. We might have to walk back on it. There's the juice place, the famous juice place, that has like all kinds of crazy juices. We should get a juice. We're like eating our way through town here. Uh, and there's the blood mobile asking people to give blood. <laughs> and then, this, Magandavita, That's Magandavita Dome And then really funnily This lady that we know uh, From Gush Etzion, She just bumped into us And she's this Like She's this Classic British lady And she Just gave us a whole story About this shidduch That she tried to make That was broken this, this What do you call it Shidduch in, in English Is uh, uh, A match A match Of, uh, of a husband and wife but they broke it off right before because the wedding invitation had some incorrect stuff and the husband wouldn't change it so that they would move. Exa- they could get married exactly on two B'Av, and either the wife was too uptight or the, or the husband was too uptight and they couldn't come to an agreement. They broke off the marriage after there was an invitation and she showed us the invitation in, in her hand. You know what, Maki it was so funny to me. I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh at anybody's expense and I, and I firmly want to believe that actually shows you that, that Hashem makes matches and when a match is not good, then you know uh, it's better to break it up before than you know earlier than later, and then making a match uh, is not easy. So I'm very thankful for my match with you because it wasn't easy for me. Uh, I know to find my uh, betrothed, beloved, uh, the one, uh, the match. Um, but there was a moment there where this British lady, with her high pitched voice, was showing us a uh, a wedding invitation of a wedding a wedding that didn't happen, and she was speaking in her in her you know very quirky British voice, and. And and she's telling it to you about Antubah. We're talking about a match that didn't work out, and it and it was in Jerusalem under an olive tree over there. And it just of
1: course right after we go to the Kaplan exhibit, which is all about like life in the shtetl. And it was like, and then they, you know, she wanted this and he wanted this, and I'm sitting on the side. You're having a conversation with her, and I'm looking at this, and I'm like, I don't know these people. I don't even know what we're talking about, but we're having like a very heated conversation <laughs> about, about who's right, who's wrong, about that we have never met in our lives about their <laughs> broken, sad relationship. And I'm just like, this is the Jewishest thing that's ever happened, <laughs> and we're still in the shtetl.
0: Right. I felt like we were right back into those paintings. It was just like Shalom Aleichem stuff. It was like, it was like she was the matchmaker, and, and the match didn't work out. And one day my, my you know my head's gonna fall off and kicked by a horse. <laughs> Goodbye, Golda. Yeah. No. Goodbye, Yenta. Uh, Yenta, goodbye, Yenta, goodbye Yenta, Yenta. Yenta. That's right. <laughs> it was great stuff. It was really great stuff and very, very uh, too beav. Okay, we march on Malka, uh, to our next destination, which is uh, no doubt uh, Maos falafel. And I can see already that you're that you're um, uh, you know looking a little anemic because you need <laughs> you need some falafel and some mini salads and a little bit of spice stat. So onwards we go on our uh, on our anniversary day walking in Jerusalem. All right, folks. Ishai Fleischer here in the streets of Jerusalem. Just walked out of the Pomerantz bookstore. Wow, holy cow, Malka. What a world of information. Holy cow, political, Jewish, Torah, Eretz Israel, prayer, cooking, Holocaust, anti-Semitism, Obama, crossing the Red Sea, uh, uh, gosh, uh, you know... Wow, Un- like every kind—children's books, grown-up books, Jewish, Hebrew books, English books, pomerants. That's like that. There's a lot of bookstores, but like there's nothing like pomerants. That that store is just full. What what did you find there, Malka?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a Jerusalem institution. You know, the one thing that I didn't do, I should have done, was they were playing this like really cool music in the background. And I, it took me like, it was like for like three seconds, something happened in my Neshama where I was back at like the Cardo and it was like ancient times. And I was like walking through like an ancient shuk and like looking at books and there was a, it's a very good atmosphere in there.
0: I just saw there was a million kind of books, all kinds of kids books, books by people we know. Right, our friend Zev McGinn, John Lennon and the Jews, our friend Dorothy Bloom, uh, To Hell in a Hand Basket. Which wins the the title award. There was a lot of titles. There was also Why, God, Why, How to Believe in Heaven When Things Around You Seem Like Hell or something like that. I mean, there was a lot of books. The Devil That Never Dies, anti-Semitism. there was
1: a large anti-Semitism section.
0: We were sitting there to relax for a few minutes, then we had to leave. Yeah, we're
1: like, I don't know. And then we were like, do other countries have... These like suffering sections Of the bookstore I don't know
0: <laughs> So then we were thinking about Ireland Do they have like a huge section On the potato famine I don't know But we definitely have A, a, a big section on like The hate against us uh, There was also uh, not Wilf Who wrote a book about like The Why why Western support of Palestinian, Palestinianism Keeps pushing peace away There was a lot of Very interesting titles I was looking for one book Called Sacred Soil it wasn't there, but then we picked up the twelve tribes.
2: Uh, by
1: Tamar Weissman. By Tamara Weissman. It's called Tribal Lands. Tribal Lands. The, the 12, twelve. Go, go ahead. On. Yep. No, you go. Jinx. Ahead. You. The twelve tribes of Israel in their an- ancestral territory is by Rabbanit Sha- Shani Terrigan. Yes.
0: Yeah, so okay. So just a lot of great books, and 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 uh, we're having. We're having a very Jewish day, you know what I mean? Like, we, we didn't like go to the Western Wall today, we could have, or to the Temple Mount. We, it's not so far away, but what we did do was we went to a, a, a exhibition of, of uh, the Jewish shtetl, basically. And now uh, we went to this bookstore, uh, and of course, along the way, since, since we suffered, we also had to eat, and we've already e- eaten three things. We ate a soup at Alma, a well, beet. Well, first you guys already know about the chocolate mint milkshake that we got at Green. That was that was one. Then we had a, a meat, a beet. It was vegetarian. Vegetarian. That's a uh, uh, what's it called? Kube. Be- beet kube. That's right. It was so beet good. beet cube. Soup at Alma. You just get soups there. They only have soups. And then we walked two stores after finishing the soup. That was
1: Awesome. That's a dream come true, by the way, to like eat at one place walk like eight steps, and then sit down and eat at another place. That is the Jewish dream. In Jerusalem. We, we if ha- only my great-great-great-great-grandparents could have seen me eat at two restaurants on the same street in Jerusalem.
0: <laughs> and, we, and we had, for the first time in our life, we both had half a falafel, a half a pita, okay, because we had eaten the soup previous. And then we had the, the great at Moos, Mo'oz, uh, one of the best uh, uh, falafel places.
1: Yeah, it was really, really good. I got mine... A little bit spicy with a lot of, like, fried eggplant and some amba. What's amba? It is a pickled mango sauce that goes excellently on
0: falafel. Pickled mango sauce? Now that's Jewish. Okay, and so so we had that, and then we topped it off with uh, the famous juice place. Had some kind of passion fruit mango thingamabob with too much sugar. It was great. Uh, and we've been walking around looking at stuff. We went to some some uh, some those, like, clay... Art, ceramic stores, pottery, pottery stores—that's what they call it. Not clay ceramics, yeah, but pottery. What? Yeah, You're, we we're very close. Okay, and uh, it's hot outside, but we're staying to the shade as per my wife's uh, request. We we always find the shady areas, and then we uh, just finished up the bookstore, and now we're off to the shuk, Malka. We're off to the shuk, uh, to the to the Yehuda outdoor market. We're walking Jerusalem on to Be'Av. Lots of folks are stopping us also along the way. People, uh, say shalom. Uh, they kind of know where we are, and that's that's also fun. Uh, and it's it's just it's fun to be in this great city and doing some alternative holiness, um, um, and um, all with the sense that in the middle of the city, not far away, is the Temple Mount, and that every store here and every street is part of the rebirth uh, and part of the you know great uh, revelation of God's hand in this world, which is. His promise to rebuild Yerushalayim. So here we are, Malka. Let's keep going to the shuk. Okay, let's go. All right, folks. Yishai and Malka on our uh, day off, day in walking Yerushalayim, just just finally took a day off of work and doing what I think is one of my favorite things in the whole world, which is just to walk around the streets of Yerushalayim, especially in, in what's called town, you know, the center of Yerushalayim. And as is uh, as traditional, we went to the shuk. To the market. We just went to Hatch, and we just got ourselves two... What are they called, Malka? Frosé. Two frosés.
1: It is rosé that is frosé.
0: It is unbelievable, and I definitely am feeling... Right. Uh, I'm right the level before Tipsy, so...
2: Yeah, uh, we're, not,
1: we're not day drinkers or barely ever drinkers, but, you know, it's our anniversary, so we wanted to do something special. We got a little daytime cocktail and are walking through the shook just got our plastic cup with our frosé, and we're walking up and down and it's just wonderful to see there are so many people and so much produce that's gorgeous and bread and olives and eggs and cool clothes from india and and delicious incredible pastries and cakes that are some of them are like super european looking and some of them are super eastern looking and it all comes together here at the shook with all these great people and uh you know We've, I guess, the theme is the shtetl for this week's broadcast. But I, again, I like. I sometimes think if, if you know, my great, great, great grandparents had seen me walk through the street drinking frosé with my Jewish husband, uh, you know, with all the huge amounts of bread and and peppers and pineapples and watermelons and beautiful hats and magnets, they would have just thought to themselves, "We cannot believe it! This is like the absolute dream come true."
0: And uh, the shook is filled with with smells, with sights, but also sounds, and maybe you hear some of the sounds, the great sounds of the shuk. and you're talking about the shtetl, but this is not the shtetl. This is very much the Middle East. It's a Middle East style shuk or suk outdoor market, uh, as you said, filled with fruits. There's also great fish. You didn't mention the fish. I'm a big Sorry, fan of the and fish. and cheeses, and meat, That's butchers. right. And lots and lots and lots of people. Folks from all over, visitors, tour groups, regular folks, all kinds of colors, and there's just a tremendous energy here. Um, and we are drinking froze. We are drinking froze uh, here. Uh, but but there are a few places that really um, people say that if you want to see God's hand in Yerushalayim, it's it's the shuk because it really is a place of plenty. It does show you the life. It's 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 full of energy and life. And it's full of people right now. It's going to be totally packed tonight. And then... Fr- thir- but, uh, <laughs>
2: yes,
3: welcome to the show. This <laughs> guy so really Sorry. wants you to buy it It's on us. Yeah. <laughs>
0: There you go, you got the sounds. (laughs) Friday afternoons, this place is a mob scene. Everybody getting ready for Shabbos. And then, just an hour before Shabbat, it just shuts down. It just shuts down completely. And that's one of the amazing things. The Kashrut here is very high today. The standards of the kosher uh, have become very high. It's economically uh, uh, um, pertinent, economically viable. To make it the highest standard kashrut Because that's what people want these days uh, And that makes a difference also And there's a lot of restaurants There weren't so many Like 20 years ago I remember this place was really a market Today it's also a place It's also become a shishi Also frou-frou uh, um, Hangout, hangout and, and restaurant alley Including fish and ships And a place that Because we were already stuffed Because I stuffed uh, Couldn't go in ...is the jachnun bar. I wanted to get that maybe jachnun bar. We,
1: maybe if we take one more lap, we'll, we'll burn enough calories to get you a jachnun.
0: I don't think so. I don't think so. This guy's going to make me want to buy some ananas instead. Some Oh, ananas is Hebrew for pineapple. pineapple.
1: I recently saw, just random fact, I recently saw a post on Twitter... ...and it showed how pineapple is said in different countries around the world... It's Ananas almost everywhere in the world. Like in almost every country in the world, it's Ananas. Is that weird?
0: I did not know that. That's a piece
1: of information for you.
0: All right, guys. uh, From the Shuk Machane Yehuda, we send you blessings of Shefa. Today is Tubav. Tubav, Jewish holiday of reunification and love. I say that because the tribes were reunified. uh, The death stopped in the desert. And so that means... (laughs) <laughs> and so and so, Oh my gosh, this guy's Too excited about the Ananas uh, But really what this place is about uh, what, what, what this day is about is, is the rebirth And it's the opposite of, of Tisha B'Av, which is destruction And rending apart and, and distancing From one another, this is a moment Of coming back together, and that's why Malk and I got married on this day, we had the Merit to do it, and now we have the Merit to be in this shuk, which is really about the Jewish people's rebirth in the land, which is really about God's God's pleasure in this world, God's joy with his people uh, and his yearning to build a dwelling place in this earth called Yerushalayim with, of course, a temple at its heart. Hashem soon. All right, folks. Hishai Fleischer, Malka Fleischer from Jerusalem. Lots of love. God bless you and shalom. All right, Malka, that was so... That was really fun. That was so special, Malka. Thank you so much for, for joining me on this day. Uh, I want to say, Malka, to you that um, another awesome couple uh, made Aliyah, which means double reunification, right? The, a great couple with great kids, and they made Aliyah this week. Uh, wow, and who that's is That's right. Well, it's our friends from Retro Watch Guy. Yay! That's right. Our friends from Retro Watch Guy uh, have uh, have uh come they did to the it. land of Israel. They've done it. That's right. And if you go to retrowatchguy.com, you'll see that they're they're like we're on break this summer. Nice. Yeah. But you a can join break-o-its. us on, on on Instagram and uh, Retro Watch Guy is one of the uh, uh, great sponsors of our show. So we want to wish them a lot of bracha, well, a lot of blessing amen. here in the good land. And I really really hope that they make it. Uh, I bumped it to a good friend of mine yesterday who said that uh, that him and his wife made aliyah. But after a few months, his wife had to go back. She was Terrible. just she couldn't do it. So sad. And I was like, what?
1: Yeah, and they're living on two continents now.
0: Right. And we heard that on he TV. They didn't want to
1: leave also Israel.
0: Right. Like uh, he's
1: not following her back there.
0: Oof. So oof, 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 And 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 you know, that may be halachically okay, but it's But not, it's sad.
1: No one's happy. Absolutely. No one's happy about absolutely. it. It's
0: not so, happy. So Tubav, we want to bless uh, our friends at RetrowatchGuy.com that they not only that they succeed in their aliyah, but they succeed in their aliyah together. It really, if you want to know what Aliyah is like, it's a little bit like implanting an organ, and into a body. And you're already like a grown organ somewhere in another body in America, let's say. And now we're replanting you here. Now it could be that you're from this tribe and from this place, and the the air is good for you, and the people are good for you, and everything is good for you. But it's still a process of um, of I don't. There's there's a technical word for it when the organ gets accepted uh, into the new host and and that's what it is it takes a little bit of time and at first you need a little bit of rest and you're dealing with a lot of issues and, and flip it out and and then with time it starts to pump and flow and I just want to really bless everybody with a good uh with with good transplantation
1: yes I mean
0: I mean and that's also part of tubav which is really like ah you know like like that metaphors
1: like, is- Weirding me out a little.
0: Is it? Okay. All right. Sorry about that. All right. Uh, so that's RetroWatchGuy.com. And speaking of that, Malka, uh, you got to feed that the, the that transplant. And that is okay. through Prohibition Pickle, <laughs> okay. uh, Prohibition Pickle. I don't
1: want to go forward with the transplant metaphor. No.
0: Okay. But it was in but it was in our hike. It was in our in our walk in Jerusalem. Remember what the- Oh, what that's the, true. That's right. No, there, there's a thing there. Weird. Yeah, there's a thing there. There's a thing there. Malka, the good folks at ProhibitionPickle.co.il make you have deliciousness in your life. A Jewish deliciousness. Shtetl Deliciousness with Jewish Liberation in the Land of Israel, okay? Uh, And that uh, includes weddings, bar mitzvahs, and and everything you need, including Shabbos. And I recently had, everything spicy that they make is great. I love it. So that's prohibitionpickle.co.il. Malka, uh, we can't go any further without hearing from our great Rabbi Shimshon Nadel, who has a special for us. On the meaning of Tu Ba'av, on to Ba'av. Uh, and so Rabbi shimshon Edel, who Mazel also tov, yes. that's right, who also celebrates, <coughs> excuse me, his his wedding anniversary. They got
1: married on the same day as us, Mamash. Literally, <laughs> yeah, they're in the same number of years married as we are.
0: Wow, 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 yeah, wow, so wow, wow. So he wow. he always
1: he often reaches out to me on our on our twin wedding anniversary.
0: Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, and so and so Rabbi shimshon take it away.
4: Shalom Yishai. Tuba Av, the 15th of the Hebrew month of Av, which we observed on Wednesday, is one of the happiest days on the Jewish calendar. And not just because it happens to be both my wedding anniversary and Yishai and Malka's wedding anniversary. But the last Mishnah in Tractate Ta'anit teaches that there were no days as joyous, as festive for the Jewish people as Tuba Av and Yom Kippur. And because it was such a joyous day, the Mishnah continues and records how it was a day of matchmaking in temple times. The women would go out into the fields and vineyards, wearing white dresses, making circles, and meeting young men. The Talmud explains that Yom Kippur is a day of joy as it is a day of forgiveness and atonement for the Jewish people. But asks, why is Tuba Av such a happy day? And I think we are forced to add to the Talmud's question, why is B'Av such a happy day, especially in light of the fact that it comes in the month of Av, just a mere six days after the fast of the ninth of Av, the saddest day on the Jewish calendar, when we mourn the destruction of the Holy Temple and Jerusalem and all of our national tragedies and calamities that took place over the course of Jewish history. Also, why was it celebrated with matchmaking? And how are we to understand the comparison with Yom Kippur? The Talmud goes on and offers six suggestions, six different opinions as to why Tubav is such a happy day, citing historical events which took place on Tubav. Number one, it was the day on which intertribal marriage was permitted following the request of the daughters of Slavchad, as described in Bamidbar chapter 36. A woman who had inherited land in Israel from her father was initially forbidden to marry out of her tribe, lest her children, members of their father's tribe, cause the transfer of land from one tribe to another by inheriting her estate. But the sages clarified on Tuba'av that this law only applied to the first generation that conquered and settled the land in the days of Yehoshua, which was a cause for celebration. 2. The tribe of Benjamin was readmitted to the nation, allowing them once again to marry into the Jewish people. As related in the book of Judges, Shovtim chapters 19 through 21, following the incident of the concubine at Givah, which incited a bloody civil war between Binyamin and the rest of the tribes of Israel, the men of that generation placed a ban on marrying into the tribe of Binyamin. On Tubav, the ban was lifted. It was clarified that this too, only applied to one generation but not to subsequent generations number 3 it was the day when the generation of the wilderness stopped dying following the sin of the spies as described in bamidbar chapters 13 and 14 hashem decreed that the jewish nation would wander in the wilderness for 40 years and the entire generation would die out each year on the 9th of av the anniversary of when the spies returned With their report, the people would dig their own graves and lie down in them, and some would never get up. But after 38 years of wandering, it was on Tuba'av when the dying finally stopped. The Talmud adds that until the generation of the wilderness stopped dying, there was not the same intimate level of communication, the same level of prophecy between Moshe and Hashem. 4. Tuba'av was the day when the roadblocks and sentries that the wicked king Yeravam ben Nevat had placed were finally removed, these roadblocks and sentries which prevented Jews from ascending to the Holy Temple in Jerusalem for our pilgrimage festivals. As recorded in Melachim Aleph, the first book of Kings, Yervam led a revolt against Rachavam, the son of King Shlomo, and the rightful heir to the throne, tearing the nation in two and proclaiming himself king over the northern kingdom of Israel. Yeravam built golden calves and idolatrous temples in Beit El and in Dan and placed roadblocks and sentries, preventing the people from ascending to Jerusalem lest they be swayed to return to the God of Israel and join or rejoin the kingdom of Judah. These roadblocks were finally removed on Tubav more than 200 years later by Hoshea ben Ela, the last king of the northern kingdom. Five, Tubav was the day on which the slain of Betar were finally buried, following the Bar Kokhba revolt, which took place between 132 and 135 CE. The Romans would not permit the Jews to bury their dead, the dead of Betar, the last stronghold and fortress of Bar Kokhba's supporters. For 15 years, their remains were left scattered on the battlefields. When on Tuba'av, the dead were finally brought to burial, our sages even created a special blessing, hatov Vahamitiv, thanking God for his kindness and his goodness in allowing the dead to be buried and for the miracle that the bodies had not decomposed. And finally, six, Tuba'av was the day when they stopped cutting the firewood for the altar in the holy temple. As the days begin to wane and get shorter this time of year, the sun is not in the sky for as long and the wood cannot properly dry, the Talmud explains. So they stopped preparing the wood for the altar and this day was known as the breaking of the axe. The Talmud adds that now there's more time to study Torah. The Talmud presents these six suggestions, six reasons, six events, which historically took place on Tuba'av. To explain why the day was so happy. But which one is it? Is there some sort of underlying theme, some motif, some common denominator, some connection between all of these events? In one word, reconnection. Tuba'av historically was a day of reconnection, reunification, and restoration. While the fast of the ninth of Av is a day of mourning, A day of disconnection, desolation, and despair. The day which saw so many tragic events throughout the course of Jewish history. A day of distance and separation between Hashem and his people. Tuba'av is a day of reconnection, reunification, and restoration between Hashem and his people. And this finds expression through all of those reasons, all of those historical events which the Talmud sites, they are events that represent this reconnection, reunification, and restoration. And maybe that's why the Mishnah lumps Tuba'av together with Yom Kippur, our Day of Atonement, which is also a day of reconnection, reunification, and restoration with Hashem and His people. It's the day on which we were historically forgiven for the sin of the golden calf, when Moshe descended from the mountain with the second set of tablets, and it's the day on which we receive forgiveness, pardon, and atonement each and every year. And maybe this is also why Tubav was celebrated as a day of matchmaking during temple times, because the relationship between man and woman, between husband and wife is evocative, is symbolic of the love between Hashem and his bride Israel, that intimacy. That closeness, that connection, which was restored unto B'Av, The Mishnah concludes with a verse from Shir Hashirim, the Song of Songs, which alludes to the wedding of Hashem and his bride Israel, which took place at Mount Sinai, the wedding canopy we stood under, so to speak, when we entered into a covenant with Hashem. And the Mishnah continues with a promise of hope and redemption, alluding to To the rebuilding of our holy temple, the place of our true rejoicing, may it be built speedily in our days. Because real connection, reunification, and restoration can only be achieved with the restoration of our holy temple. Wishing all of the listeners a happy tuba'av and blessings from Jerusalem.
0: That is some good stuff, Malka. That is good stuff. Rabbi Shemshon, thank you so much for joining us and giving us strength uh, and chidushim and uh, a sense of connectivity to our holy Torah, Rabbi Shemshon Nadel from Yerushalayim. Uh, and speaking of Yerushalayim, you got to go on that temple mount if you can, if your rabbi lets you or if you don't ask the ra- that rabbi and ask somebody else. I don't know. <laughs> but like the point is that you, you, there's, a, there's an amazing opportunity in our life and our time to go up to the Temple Mount in holiness and purity halakhically correctly uh, but with that amazing spirituality that's that's the next Aliyah that's the next that's the next Aliyah revolution is the Temple Mount that's the Aliyah revolution of the Temple Mount
1: speaking of which Isha yes, our ma'am. son pointed out that he saw in the news
0: oh wait I didn't I didn't I didn't make the plug which oh is I'm sorry high on the har high on the har high on the har dot com uh, amazing on Instagram as well The the work that they're doing uh, join the tours. Be part of it. I'm proud to be associated with highandthehard.com uh, and uh, they're making a difference in, in the consciousness of the Temple Mount in our lives. It's an Aliyah revolution.
1: So I just wanted to say that, that our son pointed out that he saw in the news that, you know, we brought in, there was with great fanfare and tremendous cost, a para aduma, a red heifer, was brought to the land of Israel from somewhere in the United States. Um, rabbis have been looking for years for this paraduma. What do we need the red heifer for? Because in order to have the um, the impurity of death um, taken off, you have to do a special kind of cleansing. Now, you know that if we go to the mikvah, you get rid of a certain kind of tumah, a certain kind of impurity, and that allows you to do all kinds of things in holiness that you weren't uh, able to do without going to the mikvah but there's some things you cannot do until you get a certain other kind of sp- it's like a different kind of detergent like without this other kind of detergent you can't get off the other kind of spiritual impurity which is the impurity of death um the solution for this is a special kind of cleanser it's called the para duma the the red heifer you you um ritually uh slaughter uh, the heifer and then you burn it the ashes are put in water and diluted uh, like any good cleanser and then you can sprinkle it on the people and when the people get the little sprinkle this this uh, impurity goes away so they brought this and the the uh the what's it called not ramifications what's it specifications the specifications for what is a para duma what counts as a red heifer, are all kinds of stuff, including was certain hairs that grow in a certain way. And then and then you can't, it can't ever have had an, uh, a yoke on its back. It can't even have touched its back and on all kinds of stuff. You have to be super careful with this thing. So, so the rabbis, there's certain rabbis who've been looking for this thing for a long time. They finally found a potential candidate for the red heifer. And they spent like tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to bring it from the from the united states to israel they brought it there was like a week where you could go look at it in shiloh uh ancient biblical shiloh where the mishkan the tabernacle used to be before it came to jerusalem and and uh then they put it away in an undisclosed location you can no longer see the paraduma and no one knows where it is and why is that so our son saw on the news that Hamas is very upset because they think we're about to build a third temple. And they came out publicly and said that they are angry because it looks like the settlers are trying to build a third temple. And so when you uh, when you publicize High on the Har, for example, this was all... <laughs> Uh in re- in regard to High in the Heart, when you publicize a place like High in the Heart, people have to understand mm. that the return, this Aliyah, the next Aliyah to Harabai, is the next Aliyah. And it's like on the horizon in a major way. Wow. And there are early adapters who yeah. are going up now. Um, but of course, you know, you, there are major limitations because as we said, there's no Paraduma. Uh you can't there's many places that you can't go, and obviously we do not have a temple. In theory, we don't seem even close to a temple. But uh, but this is the next thing, this is the next Alia.
0: Well, I'd like to say uh, that you can just move over Hamas, okay? <laughs> because we are coming up uh, in holiness and in awesomeness. You know, Maka, it's an interesting thing. I didn't expect you to go on this monologue. Of, I didn't expect
1: um, me to go on this monologue of the either. red
0: heifer. Uh, but I want you to know that we got we got a uh, donation from Paula and her husband. Uh, to Yishai Fleischer Projects, and it says, this one's for Malka.
1: Oh. Okay, that's right. That's right. Thank this you, Paula.
0: That's right. So uh, the good folks there are, are excited about your good work, Malka. Thank and you. that's very special. All right, Malka, I did not expect you to go on such an interesting rant about uh, the red heifer. Yeah, me either. Uh, Malka, you know who gets excited about the red heifer? Uh, folks who, like, are, are my, non-Jew- my non-Jewish friends. Yeah. Uh, my Gentile friends who are, like you know who who think about mashiach and think about you know the messianic times they they get like blips and beeps in their head they get like like radar they get excited when when like messiah oh, the, the messiah
1: idea you're saying right like things mm-hmm.
0: like that just touch them mm-hmm. uh, and in fact my friends in the news media like jns.org and jewishpress.com uh, sponsors of our show tell me that whenever they write an article about something like the red heifer then like the 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 hits go way up because there's a lot of people out there who are very concerned right, this. Right, this is a passion. Right, this is a passion of theirs. Uh, yesterday, I happened to have been at a wonderful event of lovers of Israel, non-Jews, uh, and I got to speak uh, with the one and only uh, Ken Spiro. Rabbi uh, Ken Spiro. Rabbi Ken Spiro, a great thinker. And we talked about the event and really the question and the issue of Gentiles connecting to Israel, one of the issues that's in my life. Uh, and uh, he had a lot to, to say, and that was really very special. Also, on our Tu BeAv day, this was the very end of our Tu BeAv day, uh, I got to go to this event with you and meet Rabbi Ken Spiro. So here we go. All right, folks. Ishai Fleischer. I continue my journey here on Tuba BeAv, the 15th of Av, Jewish Reunification and Love Day, uh, and I'm at the 9th of Av, uh, Banquet for the Nations. That's right. My friend Steve Werp, uh, who is the purveyor of, of blessed by Israel, B-U-I, Uh blessed by Israel. It's basically stuff from Israel that that goes out to the world, uh, and you can you could you know buy stuff there and from Israel, and it's a way of blessing Israel. Well, he's been uh, passionate about about starting this kind of movement for the nations, and you know that I'm involved with a lot of folks that uh, from from the world uh, that want to connect to Israel, want to bless Israel, want to be part of it, and there's a huge spectrum of people like that. Uh, oftentimes they come from the Christian evangelical world, but others as well. You know we have folks from the Muslim world as well that come to it. But the bottom line is that the nations see that God is doing something, and that's what this evening is about. I am joined by Master Tour Guide, Master Author, uh, and friend uh, um, Rabbi Ken Spiro, who is here in Yerushalayim, and I didn't expect you to be here today First thing, you're looking great You're working out these days, what's going on?
5: Yeah, yeah, you know, the older you get, the harder you have to work to start looking the same It doesn't work anyway, but I'm, I'm trying hard, yes, absolutely Like what? Tell me,
0: come on, give, a, give us a little well, bit
5: First of all, I work out every day, Just swim or, or resistance train every day And I do intermittent fasting So I find the less I eat, the less I have to eat So I work, it works for me really, really well Okay, so intermittent fasting and, and like what, one hour of exercise a day? Not even an hour. Who has an hour for exercising? Right. So you know I get a, If I swim a half hour or I do like a workout in my house, I work out a routine. You don't have to go to a gym. You don't have to go to a gym. The less you, less excuses you have to avoid exercising, the better. Right. So uh, that's what I'm I I've, I've perfected the art of being able to do a workout that I don't need any equipment for except my body weight basically. So there I could
0: do anywhere. I'm on the road all the time. I never miss a workout. Very good. Okay, that was a good piece of advice right there. Uh, Rabbi Ken, uh, we're here at uh, this nation's dinner. Uh, An interesting idea, you know, that I talk about on my show, I call it the International Torah Congregation. Folks around the world that that on, on one level or another want to connect to it, tonight here in Jerusalem, the who's who of the type of people that are trying to help the nations connect instead of pushing them off. Of course, we have a lot of concerns, fears, and we don't want missionary work and all kinds of stuff like that. But on the other hand, we can recognize, I think, maybe I don't want to put words in your mouth, I can recognize when people are true, honest, and they want to connect to the story of God that's happening in the land. Tell me how you see it. How do you see this nation's dinner tonight? Why are you here? So 100%, I'm one of...
5: That small group of people, like Orthodox rabbis, who are willing to interact proactively with Christians, because there's so much PTSD in the Jewish world, especially the Ashkenazi Jewish world, rightfully so, from all the trauma we suffered through over a millennia of of Christian anti-Semitism, which morphed, morphed into even the Nazi hatred, because Hitler was just building on, you know, a thousand years of deeply superstitious, violent hatred of Jews. But the world has changed a lot. I mean, they're definitely. You know, not all Christians are on the side of Israel. We still have issues, for sure. But first of all, Christianity has come a very long way. Even like the Catholic Church since 1965 has moved much closer. A lot of that animus is, is largely gone. And in a world where we are so being picked on by so many people to alienate those people who truly, truly do... Love the Jewish people and love Israel. We need all the friends we can get. And these are people, my interaction with them, and I've been doing this for years, is these are people who take the Bible very seriously. You know, they, they see that when God says to Abraham, I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, they truly believe that they're going to be judged by how they treat us. And I'm more than willing to to welcome these people in 100%. I mean, there's a lot of, I get from a lot of other religious Jews, they just want us to, you know, con- like, all come to Israel, so the Messiah will come, it'll be Jesus, and then we'll all convert. I, I say to that, you know, I say, first of all, what would you rather have? Those kind of people or the ones with the white hoods burning crosses outside your synagogue and your JCC? And when I speak to these Christian audiences, I speak to a lot of them. I speak to every Kufi group that comes to Israel, pretty much. Um, I say, look, guys, we, gotta, we, we agree on a lot of stuff. That there's a God who runs the world, there's an absolute standard of morality, the terministic view of history... I'll tell you what Well let's agree to disagree On a few things And let's You do your work With the Christians Who need to be strengthened Spiritually There's a lot of Christians Just paying lip service To Christianity Like a lot of Jews Not taking God seriously either I said "You you do your work I'll do mine We'll bring the Messiah and if he's Jesus, I promise you guys can baptize me. You know, you always have to be open to the possibility you're wrong. I personally don't believe it's going to be the case. But why alienate people who are really willing to go out on a limb for us in every way? Political support, financial support, you name it, we need it. And I'm more than happy to work with any people who are sincerely want to be friends of the Jewish people in Israel.
0: All right. I have to tell you, I am like quite a bit more uptight than you are on this. Uh, I don't. First thing, I don't even use the word Christianity and Christians. I don't use that. I just say Bible lovers. I say people love the Bible. And I'm much more uptight about the latter part of what you said, which is, I don't need your support. I don't need your love. You want to? That's good for you. That's a blessing for you, but I don't need it. If it happens, then that's wonderful. And if it comes, I'm willing to work with friends, but it's not because I need support that that I need your... If you see God and you want to get close to Him, then part of my job is to send God and truth into the world. And I certainly can't agree with what you said about, about, you know, whether they're messiahs, right? I can't, no, that's not, that's not me. I don't buy that. I don't buy it for one second. And I don't buy the veracity of the so-called, you know, the Christian Bible. And, and, and I'm sorry, like to me, you know, that borders on idolatry and problematic things. But if people want to come out of that towards me, I'm happy to do that. So I'm, and that's why I don't speak to every Fight group, and you do, right? Because you're you're more, should we say, open-minded to it, and that's fine. That's great. You know, there's a spectrum, and you're an expert, and I, you know, your your credentials are are, are, are excellent out there. But I just I just wanted to speak that out because there's a, sure. Sure. there is a spec, just like amongst them, there's a spectrum. There's a spectrum amongst us, and yet I'm here at this dinner. Uh, you know, for example, I'll give you another example. I'm anti-Palestinianism. I'm I'm right-wing. But I'm for the Abraham Accords and I'm for pro-Israel Pal- Arabs and Palestinians. So, okay, there's a spectrum there. All right. How, what do you think about what I said? Yeah, I hear it. I
5: mean, again, I am possibly a little more, like, open to things. And first of all, a lot of what I say is for humor value and to break down walls. And I like, I'm a big believer that you gotta, you gotta live and, you know, you're right, on a level of, look, God runs the world. Ultimately, we don't really need anyone. But I also believe you don't want to rely on miracles. You want to take whatever support we can get from whoever's willing to give it to us. Because, you know, redemption is going to come one way or another, and it's like a birth that's what it's always referred to. I'd rather it come as quick and easy as possible. So I'd rather make use of anyone who's willing to side with us. But also, Yeshai, I'm also a big believer on a much more holistically larger issue outside of Israel itself that the world is really dividing between people, and this is where I agree with you 100%, people who believe, because it's not about your, so much your specific religious belief, theologically, it's about whether you believe there's a God in the world, there's an absolute standard of right and wrong, because that I believe is the much bigger issue of whether there is, you know, truth, untruth, it's not just a of narrative, what you feel about things emotionally, you know, the Jewish understanding of God is by definition, God is reality and truth in the ultimate sense, we say Hashem Elokechem He is truth. So everything that is truthful as a conceptual idea is ultimately can be tied back to God. And anyone, the more that you are tied into God via exactly what you said, the Bible, which is why I truly respect Christians who go to the original. And I notice a lot of my Christian friends and acquaintances really want to go back to, as they call it, the Old Testament. They believe that's the authentic stuff because, you know, in my opinion, I'm not an expert on the Christian Bible, but there's, you know, the Jesus issue aside, there's not too many new things in there that weren't said previously. So, and they realize that also. So those of us who line up, regardless of what faith they profess openly, who line up with the idea that the defining factor in the world is God, reality, truth, right and wrong in an absolute sense, we are ultimately really on the same side. And that, I think, is even a bigger battle than the world versus Israel or anti-Semites versus the Semites. I think that really is becoming the issue in the world today, very, very clearly.
0: And, and I say that to people I say well if, if you really want to connect to the story of Israel read the Jewish Torah read the Jewish Torah you'll see it, it, it it'll, it'll, it'll turn you on teach it to your kids read it to your kids that's going to make all the difference in their lives I mean let's just be practical you want your kids to be snatched away by the hands of progressivism or do you want them to be grounded in God's truth read to them the Jewish Torah so called Old Testament, I don't like that term. <laughs> anyway, okay, let's let's shift gears for just a second. Um, and, and, and I, I don't want to delve on this d- d- too much, but I want to just touch it with you. The nations that we're dealing with today are saying, God is blessing you. God is bringing the Jewish people back. He's building Jerusalem. And we're like, yes, yes, he is. And yet within our country there's this polarity that's developing uh, when nationalism has now fused itself to religion and the old nationalists have become post-nationalists and have become diffused from religion and we've we have this American style polarity between left and right between secular and religious between Tel Aviv and Jerusalem and sometimes I want to say it's just exaggerated it's not really what's happening but then other times I'm like wow there really is a strong divide you told me beforehand that you're concerned about that divide and, if, and as an historian, uh, which is what you are, you're a tour guide, but you're also an author and, and, and I would say historian first and foremost, uh, uh, how do you see the situation right now? Do you see that rift developing? Are the nations going to have to witness, God forbid, you know, a third destruction?
5: So you know, the actual political issues aside, and I think there's a lot of fear mongering here and I don't even want to go into what I think is driving the absolute panic of what you see going on in a lot of the left of, you know, Israel's going to be turned into a fanatical theocracy. Where we're going to be hanging gay people and banning women from education like the Taliban, which is just ridiculous. The really, the issue that with my like perspective as a historian, I like to stand back and look is the, the perennial issue. We are still in, even though we have a state of Israel and half the Jews live here, which is an, an absolute unbelievable miracle. We're still in the Galut, the diaspora caused by the destruction of the second temple, which the Talmud says was caused by Sinat Chinam. And I Baseless hate, Baseless hatred of one Jew for another, which doesn't mean no one hates another person for no reason, by the way. It's, they call it causeless hatred. But the way I understand this is, is, and it's not a uniquely Jewish thing, often people who are the closest to each other fight the most. It's the smaller differences that often make the big arguments amongst people and I always when I speak to audiences, I'm on, I hate to use the word a crusade about this, but you know, the the rift that exists between the Jewish people is a much bigger threat than the external enemies that face us. The fact that Hezbollah and and, you know, the Iranians are like getting all excited because they think Israel's imploding is a bigger danger, not because we're really imploding but because they see the weakness and they see the opportunity to pounce on us. And when I'm speaking to almost all my audiences nowadays, I always like to close with the fact that we have to and since we're on Tubov, which is like sort of, okay, the Jewish Valentine's Day. It's about love. And it comes right after Tisha B'av, which was the destruction caused in the Second Temple by the civil war that was taking place within the Jewish world. You know, I always look at it as God sitting there saying, my children, if you want to kill each other, I can't stand to watch. I'll send someone from outside to do it. I'll send the non-Jews to do it. We have to make a paradigm shift as the Jewish people to recognize that we have to love each other. And any parent, especially if you have teenagers, gets this point. You don't always like your kids, but you always love them we have to start dealing with our fellow Jews, even the ones who are living in the other extreme and saying, look, I don't agree with you, but you're my brother, you're my sister, we're part of one family. We don't have to agree, but we have to respect each other. And we, God forbid, we get to a situation where there's arguments that degenerate into any kind of civil war, fighting and piluga as we say, splitting of the people. Because the people that hate us, by the way, never distinguish between what we believe. They don't care if we're right-wing or left-wing, or orthodox, reform, conservative. We live in America, we live in Israel. I always say in Auschwitz, there's only one line. And why does it take people killing us to get us to finally put our differences aside and realize that we're all part of the Jewish people? We have to, as we say, ideally... <laughs> make that change collectively. The problem is no one's saying this. The political leadership of Israel is not saying this. I don't hear it so much. I remember Nachem Begin when they were trying to sink the Altalina in 1948, you know, he said when when they opened fire on an Irgun ship bringing weapons in, he gave orders, you're not shooting back. Under no circumstance are we having a civil war here. I hear it said a little, but we need it said from the spiritual leadership of the Jewish people too. And I think that is critical. We have to always remember that we're a part of one people, we have one destiny. And we're like a family, sometimes dysfunctional, but if we could just start to look at each other as a family, we will avoid a lot of the potential dangers and pitfalls that could be facing us in the future.
0: We're out of time, Ken Spiro, Rabbi Ken Spiro, a historian, tour guide, author. Um, the only question I have really is about what you just said is, if one side is saying it and the other isn't, if one side has a more uh, Jewish communist type of bent to it, which really is a domination of their perspective and a hysteria, an American-style learned hysteria, or manufactured hysteria is what I mean. And the other side's like, hey, but we want peace, we want love. You become kind of, you know, you become kind of ninny-ish, and then the other side crushes you. And sometimes you have to a little bit be like, okay, maybe we have to do a little, mm, a little fight. Sometimes a little fight is okay. Sometimes I... You know, attention that needs to, to, to also be a sifting of of what is our position, what is this Jewish state. There might be a, pl- a place where it's not a great idea to avoid it, but actually to let those feelings out a little bit and 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 blow out some steam and get some some truth out there. Could that be? I
5: hear that too. And by the way, I always say the one word of Hatikvah I want to change is Liotam hofshi you know, I always tell people I'm not a prophet, if I was, I would be working in Wall Street and I would not be a historian, a writer, whatever I'm doing, but our, our mission in this world has never been to be like everyone else. We have a unique mission in this world, but we have to be selling that mission with love to the people who are in the middle. If you know when you're debating, you're never going to change the mind of the guy you're debating, but there's a lot of people floating around in the middle. And our job, as those of us who are connected and are supposed to represent God in Torah, is to reach out to those people with love and show them that you're part of us, not that you're you're the enemy of the other side, because that's a lot of the fear factor, is they're, they're, they're getting all this messaging about how we're going to basically force them to be like us rather than doing it with the love. And I think that really is the bottom line, is being proactive, like we say in the Hippocratic Oath, first do no harm, and then begin by just smiling and showing your fellow Jew that you care about them. When it gets to so a point where you get to an issue you're not going to back down on, don't back down on it. There's, a, there's right and wrong in this world. Even as your fellow Jews, some of them are really misguided, but you still have to be a proper role model to the world. And that's our job, Kiddush Hashem, to live and act in a way that inspires other people. And that comes from the, the side of the, the Jewish world and the side of Israel that is more connected spiritually to God. That is the first and foremost our biggest responsibility.
0: Ken Spiro, at, at the 9th of Av a banquet for the nations here on Tubav, the 15th of Av, Jewish love and reunification day. Thank you so much for being with me on today's show. Thanks
5: for having me. You Always a pleasure. Keep up the great work.
0: Okay. Rabbi Ken, thank you very much. Malka Fleischer. Thank you very much for, for joining me today. Uh, Malka, I know you got a lot of stuff going on, so I want to let you go. I have uh, just uh, one more audio segment uh, from Ben Bresky, and then some, some table Torah from me. Uh, but I want to let you go at this point and wish you lots of blessings and happy tuba'av.
1: Yes, happy Tu of. Mazel tov. Keep
0: up the good work, Malka.
1: Thank you. And, you too. Uh,
0: and may Am Yisrael see uh, reunification all the way, okay? We've, we're, we're part of the way there. We're part of the way towards reunification, reunification of Yerushalayim, reunification of our people in our land, reunification of our people with God's Torah. And uh, until we don't have that uh, temple planted firmly uh, in its place... It's not going to be full reunification, but it's certainly on the way, and we're a part of it wherever we are, in time or in space. Maka Fleischer, thank you so much, and Shabbat Shalom. Thank you. Shabbat Shalom. All right, folks, let's go on right now to a segment with uh, our very own Ben Bresky, who has an interesting beginning of segments, more than one uh, series on World War I, and here is his take on Jewish soldiers
6: in the First World War. This is a moment in Jewish history. World War I was a watershed event for the world in general and the Jewish community in particular. As I mentioned in the previous episode on Tisha B'Av, the outbreak of the war began on that date, the 9th of the month of Av, a day of mourning on the Jewish calendar which commemorates the destruction of both the first and second holy temples in Jerusalem. It was also on this date that Germany declared war on Russia, August 1st, 1914, and in the following days many other countries entered the war. Many Jewish soldiers fought bravely for their respective countries, but there had not been an actual Jewish fighting force since the days of the Romans. The Roman army destroyed Jerusalem and sold many of the Jewish population into slavery. In Rome today, there is a large monument called the Arch of Titus, which has the famous image of the menorah being carried away by the victorious Roman soldiers. I personally visited the Arch of Titus with a Jewish group, And we stood there and sang Hatikvah, the national anthem of Israel. This menorah was once a symbol of Jerusalem's defeat, but it later became the symbol of the Jewish Legion. The Ottoman Empire, centered in Turkey, had controlled the land of Israel and much of the Middle East since the 1500s. Now they were allied with the Central Powers, led by Germany, Austria-Hungary, and others, and they were at war with England, France, and the Allied Powers. This is where two Zionists decided the time was ripe to fulfill their dream of creating a Jewish armed force. In 1914, Zev Jabotinsky and Yosef Trumpledor approached the British and formed the Zion Mule Corps. They were responsible for transportation and drove mules and carried equipment. From these humble beginnings, the Jewish Legion was born. Jack Wolofsky, co-founder of Klez Canada, recalls his father's stories about serving in the Jewish Legion during World War I. This was part of the Yiddish Book Club's Wexler Oral History Project.
2: My father, at the age of 17, was too young. That was in 1916-17 when the war, First World War was taking place. There was the attempt to build a, under Jabotinsky a Jewish legion, which they did and fought in Palestine under Albenby. And Kenda Radler published uh, an ad which read something, young men, if your Jewish blood runs warm in your veins, now is the time to come to the assistance of building a state in Palestine. And my father took that very seriously, but neither his mother nor his father felt that he was old enough to enlist. And so when when those that had enlisted went to the downtown train station to go to the training camp, which was in Nova Scotia, my father didn't go down with the boys, but took a streetcar way out to the next stop on the train. My grandfather was at the station seeing these boys off, wishing them well, and my father got on the train at the next stop in Montreal West. He made it and he went overseas. A historian of the Legion who came to Canada to study the the Legion and the training in Nova Scotia said to me, you realize your father was in the first army in 2000 years which fought for a state in palestine and i said when you put in those terms i never thought of it as the first army in 2000 years
6: gilbert sandler a jewish american historian was interviewed about the Jewish Legion for JCC Baltimore about the contribution of American Jews from Baltimore and other cities.
3: They got up on soapboxes in, in East Baltimore and stopped each passer-by. Hey, would you like to join the Jewish Legion? You know, we're going to fight to free Palestine from the Turks, which would lead to the establishment of the State of Israel. It was a dream. These young men in East Baltimore were completely taken with the idea of the homeland, Jewish homeland. And there had been in Europe a movement started by Jabotinsky for a Jewish legion. And they would wear the mug and dove the Star of David on their arm. They knew they were going to go to England, and from there they knew they were going to go to the Holy Land, and they were going to participate in some way they did not know how. They certainly played a vital role in the creation of Israel by by setting an example, the uses of militancy and world diplomacy, and of course, in creating a leadership and in setting a tradition that down to this day is a part of our heritage.
6: Zev Jabotinsky was born in the Russian Empire, a child prodigy fluent in multiple languages. He earned scholarships to prestigious universities, but he joined the Zionist cause when he saw the desperation of many of the downtrodden Jewish communities throughout Russia and Eastern Europe. Captain Yosef Trumpeldor was the highest-ranking Jewish soldier in the Russian army during a time when anti-Semitism was rampant. He lost an arm fighting in battles, but insisted on being re-enlisted. Jabotinsky described a conversation he had with trumpledor who stated, "'We need men who are ready for everything, anything that the land of Israel will need. We need to raise a generation of which you can form anything needed. A wheel is missing. I am a wheel. Nails, screws missing. Take me. You need a hole? I am a digger. You need a soldier? I can shoot.' Police, doctors, lawyers, teachers, water-fetchers. Please, I will do it all. I am the pure ideal of service, ready for all, bound to none. I know only one order to help build. Jabotinsky replied, There are no such people. But Trumpledor answered, There will be. Jabotinsky later wrote of the conversation, Again, I was wrong and he was right, for the first of these men were sitting before me. The Jewish Legion fought bravely in Gallipoli, the Battle of Megiddo, and other fronts. There were five battalions. Thousands of Jews from all over applied to join the Legion, and by 1918, more than 1,000 were enlisted. These included Jewish people from the Land of Israel, America, Canada, Russia, Europe, the Middle East, Ashkenazi, Sephardi, religious and secular, all of them under the banner of the Jewish Legion. After World War I ended in 1918, the Jewish Legion was reduced to one battalion, called the First Judeans. Their symbol was a menorah, with the Hebrew word kadima, forward. Zev Jabotinsky, who had visited Rome and seen the Arch of Titus, decided to take this symbol of defeat of the Jews from 2,000 years ago to be the symbol of the first Jewish fighting force in modern times. There were non-Jews who helped create the Jewish Legion as well. The most important was Colonel John Patterson. Born in Ireland and a soldier in the British Army, he gained fame for his bravery in action before meeting Jabatsinsky and Trompeldor and helping them train the Jewish Legion. He defended his Jewish soldiers against anti-Semitism from other soldiers and from high-ranking officers and later became an advocate for Zionism. The following is from his 1916 memoir, With the Zionists at Gallipoli. Many of the Zionists, whom I had thought somewhat lacking in courage, showed themselves fearless to a degree when under heavy fire, while Captain Trumpledore reveled in it, the hotter it became, the more he liked it. It must not be supposed that all the Zionists were saints, or that I did not have my times of trouble and difficulty with them, because some would occasionally murmur and hanker after the flesh-pots of Egypt. They were indeed the true descendants of those forefathers of theirs who wandered in the wilderness, and whom Moses had so often to chide severely for their stiff-neckedness. Now Moses, in his dealings with his troublesome children, had a tremendous pull over me, because when my men grumbled about lack of water, I could not strike a rock and make it gush forth for them, neither when the meat and food were scarce could I call down manna or quail from heaven. One of John Patterson's final wishes was for he and his wife to be buried in the land of Israel, near his Jewish legion soldiers. This wish was finally granted in 2014. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu spoke at a special ceremony in which he addressed Patterson's grandson, Alan Patterson, about the connection their two families had.
7: So I want you to know, Alan, your grandfather, Lieutenant Colonel John Henry Patterson, was the commander of the first Jewish fighting force in nearly two millennia. And as such, he can be called the godfather of the Israeli army. He also happened to be uh, the godfather of my late brother, Jonathan, who was named after him. So I feel that in doing what we're doing today, we're paying a great historical debt and a personal debt to a great friend of our people, champion of Zionism, and a great believer in a Jewish state and the Jewish people. John Henry Patterson's contribution was immense in two ways. First, by commanding this force, he gave it structure and confidence. The biggest obstacle in the recreation of Jewish independence was the ability of the Jews to defend themselves. This capacity had been lost completely in the diaspora. The Jews who were known in antiquity as great fighters, from Joshua, David, The kings of Israel, the Maccabees, bar the Jews were renowned for their capacity to fight and defend themselves. They didn't always succeed, but they always resisted their tormentors. That capacity was lost over the centuries, until the Jews became wind-tossed leaves, unable to defend themselves. And the idea that Jews could take up arms and fight and be perhaps among the best fighters in the world, this was viewed as lunacy. And your grandfather immediately saw the great potential of these Jewish warriors.
6: The soldiers of the Jewish Legion went on to become the soldiers of the Israeli Defense Forces when Israel became an independent country in 1948. This has been a moment in Jewish history. Thank you to Yishai Fleischer. Thank you to all the listeners, and shalom.
0: All right, folks, we've had an amazing show so far with uh, Yishai Malka on a walking trip, and uh, Rabbi Shimshon Nadel, and Rabbi Ken Spiro, and Ben Bresky. Thank you very much, Ben, for that great segment. Uh, and thank you very much to uh, some of our other sponsors, including Kosher Cycle Tours. That's right, just like I've been walking around all these places in the land, you could bike through it, and I'll do it in style, with kosherness with with prayers with great bicycles koshercycletours.com highly recommended it's also global uh, in great places around the world where you can see God's glory uh, on a bicycle koshercycletours.com uh, and who else do we have here oh yeah that's right uh, if you're coming to the land of Israel and you're planning a trip you need some help and I recommend Kaplan custom tours uh, which help you oversee every detail of your trip uh, with a lot of with a lot of experience um you can do family groups shul groups youth groups missions bar, bar mitzvah trips uh, it's really you, you're going to need that help to do it just right mo at gmail.com m-o-k-a-p-l-a-n at gmail.com and finally if you're trying to transfer some cash into the land of israel which is a mitzvah and a good thing and if you especially need uh, to buy real estate and do something big uh, check out our good friends at the money transfer place of called, uh, called Change 86, Dark Currencies. Just write to Yossi, Y-I-Y-O-S-S-S-I, Y-O-S-S-I, Yossi, change86 at gmail.com. Or you can write to me, YishaiFleasure.com, Yishai and I'm happy to connect you. All right, uh, last segment of the show is a little bit of, uh, of Torah, Table Torah. And I just wanted to get a few uh, verses with you. Uh, together in from the, the Torah portion of Akev, which is in Devarim, and uh, the Devarim is Deuteronomy. Akev is starts on the chapter seven, verse twelve of the book of, of Devarim of Deuteronomy. There's a lot of incredibly important verses here. For example, et mitzvot Adonai Elohecha lalechet bedrachav and you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to go in His ways and to fear Him. To go in his ways. God wants us to go in his ways. He wants us to go in his ways. And what are those ways? Ki el Tova, For the Lord your God is bringing you to a good land, a land of with with brooks of water, fountains and depths that emerge in the valleys and mountains. Eretz chitav a land of wheat and barley, a land of wheat and barley, vines and figs and pomegranates, a land of oil-producing olives and honey. Amazing. And uh, and and it's and then it teaches us the uh, the commandment to bless God after eating bread, after eating and being satiated. You shall eat and be sated, and you shall bless the Lord your God, for the good land that he has given you. God has given you a good land. Bless him. He's given you so much. Bless him. And we bless you right now, God. We let bless you right now. At this very second, we say, thank you, Hashem, for the good land and for everything that you've given us for our life. And then there's this amazing verse. I'll read in English first. But you must remember the Lord. No, you know what? The verse beforehand. And you will say to yourself, my strength and the might of my hand has accumulated this wealth for me. Don't do that. Instead, verse 18, but you must remember the Lord your God, for it is he that gives you strength to make wealth and, and to, make, to, make, to make success in order to establish his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as is this day. et Adonai koach, Meaning to say, God gives us the strength. God gives us strength in this world. And when we have strength, again, it's, it's, a blessing. It's, it's the right thing to do to bless him, to thank him for the strength that he has given us. He's given us that strength. That means we have strength, but it's from him. Don't, don't deny that the strength is in your hands or in your mind or in your heart. Do it. But then thank Hashem because you know that he has given you that strength. And, and this, these verses that are chapter uh, 10, verse 12, uh, that I'm about to read to you, I'll read it all in English, this is my verses for understanding why there's no way that the Jewish people could serve any other God, or be swayed to serve any other God. Listen to these verses and how simple they are in the book of Deuteronomy. Look how clear they are, and look how nothing could replace that. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? Only to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him to worship the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you this day, for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong the heavens and the heavens of the heavens, the earth and all that is on it. Only your forefathers the Lord desired to love them, and he chose their seed after them, you out of all the peoples, as is this day. You shall circumcise the foreskin of your heart, therefore, and be no more stiff-necked, For the Lord your God is the God of gods, the Lord of the lords. He is mighty and awesome God who will show no favor and he will take no bribe. And meaning to say, God says like, serve me fully. Don't, 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 don't sway. Don't, you know, buy into other names. There's one name of God. It doesn't have any other names. And, and anybody who's trying to sell you that he's got other names is mistaken If you follow the Torah, it is clear. He's got a name, and that name is Hashem. That name is God. He's got a name. He doesn't have any other names. He doesn't have any other ways to serve him. Um, And that section finishes off. Therefore, keep all the commandments that I command you this day in order that you may be strong and come to possess the land which you are crossing, to possess it, and in order that you may prolong your days on the land that the Lord swore to your forefathers to give to them and their seed, a land flowing with milk and honey. Uh, a land of fertility a land of of birth and so uh, and the land says the next section which is chapter 11 a land the lord your god looks after the eyes of your lord are are god are always upon it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year Uh, god is always his eyes are always here and he asks us he demands us to serve him and to love him Uh, and and if we do that then the lord will drive out the nations before you and you will possess nations greater and stronger than you Okay, and things will work out right. And God says, don't, don't, don't sway, and don't turn your heart to any, any other, any other, not money, and not other gods, and not political power. Serve Hashem, and then things will start to go right in this land. That's how it works. That's the system. Uh, and and He says to us that we should swear in His name. I think that this verse is just so plain. Et adonai Elohecha tira, otot avod, uvo. Tidbak, ubishmo You shall fear the Lord your God, worship him. Wor- you shall fear the Lord your God, worship him, and cleave to him and swear by his name. He's got a name. It doesn't have any other names. That's his name. Know his name for eternity. Speak his name. Hashem is his name. He's got a name. That name is not to be uh, 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 stated. Uh, meaning to say, the the the, the four letter name, the tetragrammaton, is not to be said out loud but we know his name follow that name and don't sway to other things don't don't be don't be fooled and don't go simplistic either and don't be fooled by what can be uh uh gotten instantly it's not instant it's 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 a hidden his his powers are everywhere his revelation is mighty but he's invisible and and he why so that we can have choice and that we can serve him through the choice that we choose to walk in his paths and then Reap that reward of the good land of the next world, uh, but not to do it for that reward. We don't do it for that reward, we do it because we want to serve Him. It's His world, and we are His ministers out here. And it is the greatest honor and pleasure to serve Him, uh, because there's no greater thing in this world than to serve the Creator of this world. All right, folks, uh, that's the Ishai Fleischer show for this week. We've had a lot of fun, a lot of uh, a lot, we've gone to a lot of places, but. One place that we haven't gone to yet is Hebron, the Jewish community of. And I have the great and awesome privilege of working for the forefathers and mothers and uh, for uh, the director general of our community, Uri Karzin, and uh, for the beautification of the sites and for the the tourism of the sites. And your support is needed, hebronfund.org. And come on our tour, Hebronfund/tour. It's an amazing experience with the great Rabbi Simcha Hachbam. Hebronfund.org, uh, and we thank you, and you'll be, you'll be blessed by blessing Chevron as well. All right, folks, more great stuff is on the way on the Ishai Fleischer Show. I guess that's the end for today, but hopefully next week we'll continue. I'll be actually on vacation next week. We'll continue to, to put out a little bit of radio uh, because we love you guys out there wherever you are. Stay tuned, stay strong, stay connected. Thank you to Moshe Herman, Ben Bresky, Tabitha, uh, and Lou, and Yochavid for getting our show out to the world. You guys are a great team. And thank you, Hashem, for the opportunity to broadcast your reunification with us, our reunification with you on this 2 Thank you and shalom.